Photographic planning before your safari. This is the Wild Eye Podcast. Hey everybody, my name is Jerry, I'm from Wild Eye, and in this episode I thought it would be a good time for us to talk a little bit about how you can prepare photographically for your upcoming safari or photo safari. Now, we're about to head into our busiest time of the year. The Wild Eye Mara camp is open, the first weeks have just started, uh, the guys are heading out on private, I'm heading out in a couple of weeks for another private in Amboseli, so yeah, we're in full safari mode. And based on a conversation I had last night, I thought maybe let's talk a little bit about how you can prepare creatively, so to speak, for your photographic trip. So in a conversation last night with Mary, she and her husband, they're about to head off on a beautiful itinerary throughout Africa. And we had a conversation around how do you plan photographically for your trip, right? Now, I'm not talking about what to pack, what gear to use, anything like that. I'm talking about the creative side, the vision, right? What is your vision? What are your expectations photographically for the trip you're about to go on? Right, now let me just jump forward. So Mary and her husband are gonna go to seven different destinations on this trip, right? So Monopools, Wangi, Mala Mala, and a few others. So how do you how do you approach this, right? Do you just go in and shoot and pray and hope for the best and then afterwards start putting things together? Or do you go in there with something very clear in mind of what you wanna photograph? What is the story you wanna tell? What is the portfolio you wanna to put together? Now, in the past, what I've done, if I take a private client to a destination where they haven't been yet, what we'll do is I'll send them links, videos, for example. You're gonna see a spirit bed. This is what they look like. This is what they move like. Here's a couple of images. So you're feeding your, your photographic voice. You're feeding it so that when it's time for the, the action to happen, you're ready and you're not caught off guard, right? Now, if you've been to a place, then it's even easier because you know what the place can offer. Your challenge, though, is how do you share the story of the place in your wildlife images? Now, if you look through some people's uh, Instagram feeds, they have many, many portraits, many portraits of lions or leopards. If you scroll deeper, there's another lion portrait, another lion portrait, another lion portrait. The catch there is, beautiful as that may be, it doesn't tell the story of the place. That lion portrait can be in Mala Mala, it could be in Tualu, it could be in the Mara, whatever the case is. Your challenge and your, your, your goal, your, your right and privilege, I believe, your duty is to share images of the place which also showcases the place, right? So one of the things I mentioned to Mary on her seven destinations, what about this? What about putting together a portfolio of 21 images? That means three images from each of the destinations. Now, what you can do is in Lightroom, you go and create a master collection or collection set called My African Trip, and inside of that, you create a collection for each of the destinations. As you then go through the, 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 the trip, you add into those destinations. So if you know for a fact, you, for example, doing Chobi and Monopools, those are both elephant heavy, you're not gonna necessarily post close-ups or detail shots of those animals because it you, you're doing a disservice, I think, to the place by not showing Chobi as a water-based destination, for example, or Mana Pools as a three-dimensional, in my mind, photographic destination with a lot of height to it. So it's gonna make you look at the place differently if you know you have to showcase the place, right? You have to give me an elephant image that I can look at and say, that is Amboseli, that is Mana Pools. 
right? And, and again, you, you're more than welcome, and you obviously will shoot a whole bunch of images of the, the, the subjects close up, the eye, the ear, the touch, the trunk, the toenails, whatever it is. But more than that, shoot more different things. Try and create images that people can see where it's from, right? So if you have a portfolio collection set of my African trip, you've got th um, seven collections underneath, and you only want three in each, because then when you show me the top collection set in Lightroom, I see your 21 images, and that's a beautiful portfolio of the diversity that you saw on your trip. When you head out into the field, knowing that you've done that, you've given your photographic voice the ability and the permission to look wider. What can I shoot in this place that will add to my portfolio of this trip, but still look like it's from Chobi Monopools or whatever, right? The more intentional you are, the better your images are going to be. That's a given, right? Then another portfolio you could do uh, on, and I'm, I'm just re uh, referencing Mary's trip, they're going to a few destinations which are great for elephants. So then create another collection set called Elephants, and inside there, the three destinations that are very elephant heavy, Wangi, Monopools, and Chobi. And then in there, you want 12 images, which means three from each of the destinations, which is destination specific, where you have to photograph the animal that it looks like it's in the place. It's, there's a situational awareness. Oh, that's Chobi, that's Monopools, that's Wangi. And then you've got three bonus images where you can say, cool, I'm going to go detail on this. Suddenly, you're sitting with a portfolio collection of 12 images of elephants that look different, that has substance to it, that has depth to it. That's important. Right? If you're going to come back from a multi-destination safari and you show me your bunch of elephant pictures, but I don't know where they're from. It's just nice elephant pictures. Yes, that's cool. That's okay. But you could do so much better. You couldn't do so much better by including more of the environment. Now, I'm going to reference back and I've done a presentation. You should still be able to find this on YouTube on the B&H channel. I think it was called The Continuum of Wildlife Photography. And what I did there is I broke it down into four stages. Proof, document, narrative, and create. Those are the four stages of any sighting that you get to photographically. When you get there, you see the thing. You're going to pick up your, your camera and take a couple of test shots. If it's something big like a pangolin or an art fark or whatever it is, that's your proof shot. It's just like, holy shit, you can go home, show your wife, look, I photographed this, right? The next step, if you have the chance, is to document the, the, sub, the subject or the species. Now, a document shot is technically correct. It's basically something you'd find in a guidebook of, let's say, African mammals. And you can then say, this is what a lion looks like from the front. That's a female. This is what they look like from the side. It's kind of boring, but it's well shot. Right, the next step up from document is narrative. Those are the action shots. Those are the things that beg a question of the viewer where you can look at it and someone will say, wow, what happened next? Or what is this animal looking at? Or what is he running from? Or did he catch the scrub hair? Right, that's a narrative situation. From narrative on, you can go creative. Now, creative is my world. I love that stuff. Slow motion, motion blurs, panning, radial blurs, zoom blurs, multiple exposures, ICM, right? So how would you use that continuum? You'd get to a sighting, right? You'd probably pick up and just do a test shot or a sketch shot and say, okay, cool, my settings are correct. That would be your proof shot. If that thing runs away, look, we did see this line, it's proof. Next up, you're gonna document. This is where you bank your shots. This is the good, solid shooting. 
remember, just as a caveat, don't only chase hero shots. You're going to come short. Just shoot, right? So document. Then as the as the sighting develops and there's potential for narrative, move to narrative. Look for the behavior. Look for those storytelling images. Honestly, a close-up portrait of a lion is not necessarily a storytelling image. It's just a portrait of a lion. The storytelling image is something that begs a question, that makes me ask something. And then if there's no narrative or if you've done narrative, then you lean towards creative and start doing something. Instead of banking 274 shots of a lion sleeping, bank 200 and then do 74 slow motions, zoom blurs, ICM or whatever the case is. It'll, it'll, it'll wake up your photographic voice and it'll also give you more options when you get to Lightroom and you don't have to delete as many things because they all look the same at the end. Now, if we get to a sighting of lions, quickly do a sketch shot. Okay, cool, my settings are ballpark. We start working. We document, we document, we document as it's needed. There's no narrative, for example, because these things are sleeping. Jump to creative. Now, the sighting develops. The animals start moving. Drop down to document again. Boom, boom, boom. Photograph the narrative. They move around. Something changes. Go back to document. So you're going to be jumping up and down the continuum between document, narrative, and create as and when needed. Right? You're going to keep on doing that as the sighting changes. The problem, or rather the challenge for most wildlife photographers, is they get stuck documenting only with a little bit of narrative. And you can see it. If you look at someone's Instagram feed or their website even, a lot of document shots, the easy shots, rather than trying to do wider shots and create that narrative. And then almost none for some people on the more creative side. I'm not saying replace all of your good bank shots with creative stuff, right? I'm saying do both, but know when to do it. That's where the benefit of traveling with a photographic guide comes in because I'll be whispering in your ear all the time, try this, more of this, this, okay, let's go back until your voice sees what's going on and takes over. Now, so, so your planning for your trip is where am I gonna go and what do I wanna create? Set those collections up ahead of time because that intent of knowing what you're shooting for will guide your photographic voice when you're in the field. Then, one more thing to consider, and this is planning ahead, looking at images before you go, creating your collection sets that you know what you're shooting for. Three things. I would say portrait shots, which if you have to quantify it, I would say any image where you have more than 50% of the frame filled by the animal, whether that's its face only or its face and its body or its shoulders, whatever, would be a portrait type shot. Then, and this is something that I, 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 what's the word? I impressed upon my guest in Svalbard recently, but this goes for everything. And if you're traveling with me for the year, you will hear this as well. There is a difference between, and listen to this, there is a difference between an animal in its environment image versus an environment image with an animal in it. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between an animal in its environment image versus an environment image with an animal in it. So sometimes, and if you look at places like Monopools, Monopools is great for this because the, the, the forest uh, and the floodplains forest there make for beautiful stages, so to speak. You might find this incredible scene and there's a little arch in the trees. That's an environment. Now you're waiting for an animal to walk into that gap. Take the time, wait for it. That is an environment image with an animal in it. On the flip side, if you see an elephant and that's your focus and you then consider how should I compose the rest of the image, what to include and exclude, that is an animal in its environment. 
Yes, I know. Some of you shaking your head and think, yo, what the hell, man? But I promise you, if you start seeing that subtle difference between the focus of this image is the animal, small in the frame, but I'm focusing on it and then including the environment as best I can, there's no intrusions into my corners, my frame is safe and so on. That's an animal in its environment. Alternatively, sometimes you get these incredible landscapes and you think, holy shit, if only there could be a giraffe under that tree. Or what if a lion was on that rock? That's an environment with an animal in it. I promise you, look at it that way. So animal and environment, environment with animal in it, and portrait. Break it down to that. Layer that on top of proof, document, narrative, and create. And layer that on top of your collections that you create before your trip that you know what to shoot for. I think if you do a homework in that way and you look at pictures of the place, that's when it's gonna start coming together. That's when you're gonna start thinking, hmm, okay, I think I'm ready for this. And your photographic voice will reward you for it in the field because you've given it something to chew on before you get there. If you're struggling, if you're going on safari now, and, and for those of you that are traveling with me to the Mara or private for the rest of the year, we will probably early on in the week do collections and say, this is, depending on where it is, this is river crossings, this is slow river crossings, this is lion portraits, this is London. Because when you do that, You've created a way for your brain to focus on something and you will create better. You're, you will see it in the field better. And that's what it's about. So if you are going on safari and you need some ideas on what kind of collections to create, get in touch. Tell me where you're going and I can suggest two or three collections that you can create which will speak to your photographic voice. Promise you it'll make a difference. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna leave it there. If you have any questions or if you need some advice or some guidance, please get in touch. Jerry Fenevolt on all the social media platforms and uh, jerry at wildeye.com. The description will have all of that information in it. But um, other than that, just do the homework. Be more intentional. Don't be safe with your photography. Bank some shots, play around. Let your photographic voice guide you, but you have to give it something to chew on before it will do that. I'm gonna let you guys go. Guys, as always, thank you so much for listening. Appreciate your time. Appreciate you lending me your ears. I will chat to you in the next episode. Safe travels, happy shooting. My name is Jerry. I'm from Wild Eye. Bye for now.